cliffcentral.com. Grant, I need to make a critical business decision. We've been expanding rapidly, and my gut feel tells me that we should be investing for growth. But I need to put some financial science behind that gut feel of mine. Don't you have a financial manager or director that can help you with that? But isn't that rather expensive? It doesn't have to be. Why don't you contact the finance team? They're a consultancy that can provide you with a part-time financial manager or director at a fraction of the cost of a full-time resource. Go to thefinanceteam.co.za. Welcome back to the Business Masterclass. I'm Richard Angus, CEO of the Finance Team, your part-time financial executive solution. In With me in studio uh, is Leonie Stretter, business coach and guide from Racecorp. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for staying on with us, Leonie. Mark Peters, an independent strategy consultant. Thank you, Mark. And Sue Clutter-Hopkins, partner and elite manager at Racecorp. Thanks, Richard. So we've been talking about the whole question of mentorship, coaching, what we need, what we should be doing, etc. What I'd now like to get into is talk, to talk a little bit more about practically how do we get this entrepreneurial guidance and support world to function for us. I mean, so in the previous segment, we've been talking about you know the kind of elements that we need. Um, we closed off saying definitely you want to be paying for this so that you can get that value trade off and make sure that you're putting in the efforts that you need to. Sue, talk to us a little bit. I mean, in the in the race corp business model, it's a, a and a, what I found really interesting is you don't mentor, you don't coach, you guide. We guide. So 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 let's talk for a moment about what the guide is. Okay. And then let's talk a little bit about how the race corp model works because I think it's a great example of a very successful business support environment. Okay, awesome. So, so I'm a guide and Leandi's a guide. Leandi does marketing and sales guiding. I do strategy and finance. Okay. So, so to be a guide, we've got to have a background in, um, our specific discipline. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've got a, a strategy background and a financial background. Um, and then I've combined that with a coaching course that I did three years ago. Um, to become a guide, we also get on the job training at Race Corp. And what we do is we work with our entrepreneurs in our specific disciplines. Um, but first and foremost, concentrating on their agenda, what's top of mind for them. So they bring their uh, current situation to the table and we have a look at perhaps where they'd like to be in uh, a year's time from now. And then we really guide them around what needs to be done between now and then to make sure that we have a positive or a favorable outcome. So I think there's an important thing, if I may interject, yes. that that you're creating the the goal, and it's a very clear, defined. This is the mm. to be picture. Yes. And so everybody's very clear in what needs to be achieved, and I think that's one of the key yeah. things that I'm hearing. This isn't a yeah. let's sit down for a general hour session chit chat. Tell me how you're feeling. You know, this is this not. isn't this is hard work. <laughs> yeah, this isn't the come and lie on my couch. No. I'm your business shrink. Yeah. Um, you know, this is you know, don't tell me about your mother no. either. <laughs> yes. You know, this is this is real focused, yeah. energy engaging conversations about change. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is, Richard. Um, you know, with our partner elite companies, we run a partner elite division. Um, we've got a, a high level of engagement where we bring options based on our experience and our, our previous studies in our specific, specific fields to the table uh, because we're all about accelerated growth. So we don't want to... Um, you know, leave it up to an entrepreneur who knows absolutely nothing about finance to go figure it out for themselves by perhaps reading a book or 
watching a TV series on financial management. Mm. Um, we want to help them by putting the options on the table, but we certainly don't tell them which option to choose. It's all about the entrepreneur making decisions based on, well, what would the consequences of choosing this be or what would the consequences of choosing that be? So it's uh, an, an empowering conversation yeah, as well. Uh, uh, it, it sounds like a little bit like the money or the box. Money or the box. That <laughs> <laughs> good old TV show. Behind door one, we have this problem. Behind exactly. door two, we have this. Door three has this. Yep. Now, here's your choice. Now, you make the call as the entrepreneur. Exactly. So we really facilitate that thinking, you know, the thinking around uh, what could go right uh, and what could go wrong. I think often, and, and it might be my perception, but I think often entrepreneurs and business people are actually, you know, it's not like they they can't make the decision they often just they're not sure if they've considered all of the elements that's and, that's it, and, yeah. and and almost a case of well i think i know what's behind door one and yes. i think i know what's behind door two but i don't have anywhere to reflect yeah. my thought process yeah. and almost let me call it self-validate and cross-check Absolutely. with somebody that i trust and that can, can that I'm comfortable is well rounded enough to give me the insights that I need. So I I kind of sit in panic mode, going, oh, you know, um, what happens if I if I get this wrong, and what happens if I make the wrong call? And I think often people forget that the worst call is the call that isn't made. Yes, mm. yeah, you know, there's absolutely. this like. Let's call it the inertia of decision making. Exactly. And exactly. and then by consequence, a decision happens because time makes the decision for you exactly so i mean the race corp model has been really successful i mean i followed along in in, in the team over over many years and and for me one of the biggest successes in 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 entrepreneurial engagement is to ensure that there's almost let's call it a pathway that's known and almost quantified up front and it sounds like you've structured that pathway very clearly for everybody does everybody walk the same path well, in the race corp world that's such an interesting question because there are no two journeys that are exactly the mm-hmm. same and no two entrepreneurs that bring exactly the same challenges to the table so they've all got their own personal um, complexities that arrive when they come and meet with us and we work with them with where they're at really and um no, there is certainly not one shoe fits all. Uh, we it's we are unique. it's unique and tailored, and we are very cognizant all the time of where the entrepreneur is at and what do they need from us in this moment to help them succeed. Mm. So, so I was just going to add, Richard. One of the one of the benefits of what the team is talking about is often there are so many challenges in the business that just talking to one of the members of the team can assist them uh, rank those challenges in order of importance. And that itself is hugely useful. Which are the big things to tackle first and how do you do that? Rather than just saying, I've got so many things and I'm paralyzed by not moving forward. And that process that um, Sue is talking about will help you a lot doing that. And I mean, and I don't think you need a mentor or a mentee um, relationship to to get that right, but it helps a lot. Coaches do the same thing. They write, you've come to me and you've mentioned seven or eight things, just the example you gave at the start of the show. There are several things in there. Which ones are the important ones to deal with? Because often we focus on the ones that are easier to address than the issues that are harder and more impactful on the business. 
Yeah, and sometimes you also just need um it, it's also just about untangling certain things mm-hmm. and getting a point of understanding and then connecting some dots. But really very much also I think, you know, you're consumed by so many um decisions you need to make and that prioritization phase is so important. So sometimes it's really just about one step at a time. You talk about connecting the dots. For me mm. the the most scary part of the entrepreneurial space is connecting the wrong dots. Mm. So I've got all the dots on the page. Yeah. I know they're there. I've got a few, you know, I've got a collection of facts, but I start connecting the wrong stuff because I'm under pressure. I don't have necessarily a knowledge base, perhaps, and and, and I start weaving this picture of complex and and particularly of complexity. That's it. And I, and I step back and I go, oh, crikey, I've I've now got X picture, and I don't think I was meant to create an X, and to un. Unscramble the omelette, so to speak, is often really difficult. Once you, once, once it's baked, it's baked. You know, it's done. But it's so important. Sometimes even those wrong dots being connected, the journey and the learning, nothing mm. is ever in vain. So sometimes those are important as well. Mm. Yeah, I think one of the best outcomes from any guiding or coaching engagement is clarity. Yeah. Clarity on the way forward. Mm. Yeah. Now, I mean. Mark, just give me some insights here because, I mean, you, you've obviously observed mentorship programs happen in, in a number of different spaces. Is getting the right fit with the person and uh, or the mentor and the mentee in terms of connection always a critical part? Or, or can you actually have, I mean, I, I've heard somebody say, you know, I don't really get on with this person, but wow, I learned so much from them. I'm actually happy to just bear, grin and bear it because their insights are so significant. You know, is that, is that, oh, I'm big pals with my mentor and it works well because we connect really well. Is that needed or can you, can you allow the, is there a little bit of, you know, it's on the edge <laughs> in terms of the space, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily the let me call it the safest of spaces, but it's a valuable space. What, mm-hmm. what, if I had to toss those coins, which way should I be going? Um, I'm going to ask my colleagues to jump in as well, but I would say yes, yes, and yes. I think it makes a big difference that the there's a connection, uh, a relationship is very hard to be in a relationship of trust and respect with somebody you don't really like. Mm. I, I, it does work. It can work. Mm. You know, we don't have to like our, our boss, our CEO mm. in a corporate environment, but we can respect them and we'll mm. do with this. But I think the relationship's a bit different in mentoring and coaching. Mm. I think, mm. yeah, I would say it's better to have that it, it doesn't, yeah, it's a bit like a kid at school. Not all schools are right for all children. Uh, mm. In the same way, not all mentors are right for all mentees. Um, I, I observed a, a, a lawyer. I was asked to do it. I was observing a lawyer, and it, it was clear that the mentor was the problem, not the mentee. So interesting. Um, yeah, you know, too much trying to show this is who I am, rather than hearing about what the challenges are, and that's that's a, an experience issue as well as a, a personality issue. And you could see, you could visibly see the mentee switching off. And it was also somebody in a in a legal environment. It wasn't an entrepreneurship uh, type setup. But I'd be interested to hear what. So, the other so can, yeah, can I pick up on that element? Is so, so at Race Corp, obviously, I mean, from what I'm hearing, um, Mark saying to me, this is critical. How do you get that fit to happen in Race Corp? Because I mean, 
you're both nodding and saying, yeah, this is important. So Absolutely. how do you how do you get that to happen? Because you've yeah. got an entity which employs guides and 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 the staff base, and you've got entrepreneurs coming into the programs. How do you make sure that that connection happens? Because you've effectively got two let's call them unmatched parties and now you've got a, a marketplace that you have exactly, to try and make exactly. it connect. Oh, such an interesting question, Richard. Well, we've got a huge selection engine at mm-hmm. RaceCorp, which really helps choose the entrepreneurs that are going to get the most value from our programs and our service offering. So so that in itself is a, is a starting point for us. Um, absolutely, I believe in a very high level of rapport with my entrepreneurs when I'm when I'm guiding them. Um, I want them to trust me. I trust them. There's got to be a very healthy mutual respect for each other's time so that we know that this is serious and the outcomes that are set in the session need to be actioned. Um, and what we really want to avoid, which we do, is overstepping the boundary, becoming so you know friendly in that nothing gets done and it's just a chin wag over coffee. You know, that, that's the kind of engagement that we'd like to avoid. We really want it to be a solutions-driven, outcomes-based engagement all the time for, for uh, the best value for our entrepreneurs, really. Mm. And Richard, I, I want to just add to that. So outside of a raised corp environment, I think coffee shop is a bad idea. I think it's not formal enough. Mm. Um, for me, I think it needs to be a little bit more about a contracted relationship. Clearly in a, in a raised corporate would be, but I, for the listeners who are outside of that network and they want to be a mentor or a mentee needs a mentor, I think it needs to be contracted, needs to be written up. Even if it's only short 12 week type arrangement, that works well. And we can review it after the first couple of months. That, that works very well. But it needs to be on a formal basis. So I buy Sue's comment. This isn't a, a fat chat over a cup of coffee. This is serious. Yep. We're using people's time. Time is important. And, you know, if, if the relationship is coming to a natural end or one of the parties feels I'm not getting out of this what, what I really expected, it's easy then to say, right, we've come to the end of, of this. It mustn't drag on. Um, I heard somebody saying that they were in a mentorship relationship for 15 years and my gut response was, well, the mentor hasn't done his job because they're, they're staying on for other reasons in that relationship. I thought you were going to say they got married. No. no, 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 no. <laughs> 15, I hope not. Yeah, 15 yeah. years on. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, that's, that's just, yeah. Almost, almost a marriage in terms of. But contract it, yeah. yeah. Come up front. Agree. Yeah. What we want. It, it's quite interesting. So I'll perhaps. Share some personal experience here. I was very young when I was made CFO of FME Corporate at the time. Um, I was 26 years old. And one of the things I did was I identified that a, a, a mentor slash coach would be, it would be a good, a good idea. But it was difficult to find somebody that, that I could, uh, you know, connect with and in, in the specific space that I was in at the time. And I identified some good mentors both inside the first round group but then I found a good coach and I went to this lady uh, you'll you'll remember Mark Andrea somebody that I'd met, uh, met through Vitz Business School through some work we were doing there and I went would go to her for, for coaching and initially my coaching relationship there was you know maybe once every two weeks sometimes once every three depending on, on the schedule etc and 
I worked with her on various issues and we had team structure issues and the business was changing fast and there was a lot I needed to to kind of bounce off and talk about and engage on. And I then, yeah, it was one of those almost, I guess you could call it, you know, open-ended type of coaching engagements where we structured what the outcomes needed to be every few months because the business was moving so fast and I was dealing with so much complexity. But over time, I would then go, okay, I need this now to go to once a month because that's my available time and I'm focusing on this and focusing on that. And and my objectives and needs were, were moving quite quickly. And I then realized just out of the blue one day that I hadn't, that I was scheduling sessions every four months. I was like, why am I doing this? And at my next session, I said, oh, we, we talked about this and I said to her, you know, I haven't been here for four months. She said, yeah, I know. And that's absolutely fine. You, you're, you're extracting yourself from a need environment. Mm-hmm. And all you're now doing, she says, for the last 18 months, all you've been doing is cross-checking with me. Mm-hmm. And because I have the knowledge of where you've come from, I can reflect and hold up a mirror of your reality for you. And you can, she says, you've been role-playing things with me more than than you did ever before and she said and you've been checking and cross-checking she said watch in the next you know in the next two or three sessions you'll discover you don't you don't need me anymore and that's exactly what happened i went from a four-month session to the next one was six months away and then we were done and it was and it was fine and and uh, and it was quite interesting. I would then check in with her, just touch base on an email or mm. phone call or whatever to see how she was doing. And you build a personal relationship with somebody over time. Mm. And and I thought to myself, you know, if you'd said to me, how does a coaching engagement end? I would never have said to you, it's when you're done. done. But you yeah. do know yes, when you're done. done. Um, and when you feel you've got what you need and you're stable enough to do what you need to do in a comfortable space. Absolutely. Um, you know, I always wonder if other people knew I'd said, okay, I'm done. If they would have said, no, you're not done. You've got a few things you still need to work on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting perspective of knowing when, yeah. when is enough. Exactly. And I mean, on our partner elite uh, program, we partner with our partners for as long as it's a value adding relationship mm. and engagement. Mm. Um, more often than not, we see the highest level of impact in the first two to three years, purely because it's business based and there's a lot to learn and, and new neurological pathways that need to be created. I mean, you'll know that, Richard, mm. from your experience. Mm. It just broadens your way of thinking altogether so that soon it becomes second nature. So sort of after maybe a period of time, you start being able to ask yourself uh, what you need to ask and answer to move forward. Yeah. So dissolving, if I can summarize that again, just outside the race, you know, dissolving the relationship mm-hmm. is nearly as important as as getting it started in the first place. Mm-hmm. And in the example you've given a moment ago, you know, it's very common that people move on to a different type of mentorship relationship where someone else provides a different skill set or competence mm-hmm. set. And they say, right, well, now it's less about the business and maybe it's more about mm. my own self or the spiritual yeah. side or the financial side of the business. It is interesting, as you, as you mentioned that, because I did evolve where my, where my support base was, was coming from. And interestingly, mm. it did return inside the organization. So I built yeah. great relationships with some 
other members of business units outside of of my my space. So, you know, in other subsidiaries, built some great relationships with CEOs of some of the other divisions, got got the opportunity to interact with them, etc. So I started gleaning experience and Mm. exposure, and I could talk about ideas at a, at a level that I was now comfortable with because I was now a little older, a little bit more mature. Mm. And to be honest with you, I then had a track record that I could refer back to and be comfortable in my own mind that I've made similar decisions and thus I'm uh, effectively, I've, I've got my card. I can come to the table to play. You know, I've got, uh, you know, I'm, I'm dealt in. Mm, I can yes. play the poker yeah. game here because I've, I've actually, mm. I'm worthy enough to hold the, you know, my section of cards and actually yeah. play the game. Yeah. Um, you know, initially when, when this happened to me and I was appointed as a CFO at 26, I kind of sat at the table going like, Cards? What cards? You know what they say, you know, young and stupid and you think you know everything and then when you get older you realize how little you did know and you, and you realize how little we still know. How li- <laughs> well, 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 the scary thing is I look back at those days and I think to myself, you know, y- you realize the risks that people took on you and you realize mm. how, how you must have been able to add value in a different way because you definitely didn't bring the experience curve. I mean, at 26, yeah. I yeah. was not bringing the yeah. experience curve mm. to date. I remember somebody teasing me and saying, oh, yeah, you're the teenager on the board. Yes. And I was like, is it like, you know, like if you, if you, if you go on, uh, on an, uh, an Exco breakaway and you take an Xbox with you, there's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I get that. But yeah, you know, I brought something different to the team. Okay, I brought an energy and a youthfulness and whatever else that they Absolutely. were looking for at the time. And they had a very good reason yeah. for making the decision that they did, clearly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I definitely um, – one, one of the words I learned in that time period was the concept of gravitas, yeah. your yes. presence, yeah. and who you are. And how you show up in a board meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. and yeah. I, re- I remember being critted quite heavily by my coach at the time to say – we need to work on this. You're mm. a big guy and you don't carry the gravitas you should when you walk into a room. And both of you have just, uh, funnily enough, mentioned something which is really important in the entrepreneurial space. And that is, you know, having a coach or a mentor or a guide work with you to a certain point, but then also work on the sustainability of who's next or what's next and the creation of the right board of directors for your business going forward. So who are you going to invite to sit on that board to hold you accountable or, or keep you responsible? That's, that's actually a very good good thought there because, yeah, the, the transition from, let's call it the formal mm. mentorship coach, often specifically if you're an entrepreneur, I, yeah, I've never thought about it that way, but it actually does become your board and the people that you're accountable to. So that's a... That's a good point. So board, or let's call it board selection criteria and now take on a little bit of a, yeah. an element. Of, I've never thought so of it that way. So who do you need? What skills should they have? Yeah, okay. That's, a, that's it's in exactly the same way. What skills do we need as an entrepreneur mm. for your board advising you? If, if you get to that point, it's, it's as critical. Mm. Yeah, knowing where you're going. I think at the end of the day, you know, you kind of you you have to be clear on your objectives and what your vision is and who needs to be around the table in order to achieve that. Especially if you've gone through a coaching process where you have developed and evolved and you can now play the cards and you can hold the space in the board and you can you're willing to be challenged and need to be challenged in order to achieve your objectives. And again, there you would also contract potentially for as Mark mentioned earlier before, um, you might need a different kind of coaching engagement for the next phase of your, especially if you're in an entrepreneurial space, for the next phase of your business because it does get bigger, it gets more complex, and it moves faster. 
Now, I mean, as as we close out the show, the the one thing that that strikes me is that we, we've talked here about what can be achieved. Let's focus for two or three minutes on when do you know that it's not working, and if it's not working, what should you do? I mean, you guys must have seen things that don't work well, yes. and, and 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 what's the let me call it the emergency rip cord that we pull yeah. and what are the what are the you know what's hanging you know what's the sign that's hanging on the rip cord it says like pull this rip cord to exit relationship yeah. if the following happens what, what is the what are the warning signs that this ain't ain't working well for us it's probably stagnation you know mm-hmm. you, you, the, the same discussions happening month after month after month we've got to ask ourselves what what are the what is the actual point of these discussions mm-hmm. if nothing's changing um, so, you know, what needs to change in this relationship? Um, you know, we're all about our internal locus of control. So me as the guide would ask myself, well, what am I doing here that's not working? Or how can I be more effective? Um, often I'd rope in one of one or two of my colleagues with a lot more experience to sort of sit in on our session to see what can be asked. How can I scratch deeper to get some sort of movement or, or change um, in progress here? Um, or from the entrepreneur side, the open, honest conversation. Look, I feel it's not working. What do you think? How do you feel about this engagement? Um, you know, we all know entrepreneurs are extremely busy. So for them to sit for half an hour with the same result month after month after month, mm. um, surely at some point they would say, look, um, bear with me. I'm going through a tough patch or this isn't working for these reasons. Mm. Or, you know, we have mm. to get again like i mentioned earlier to the root cause of what it is that is causing the stagnation yeah so complacency mm-hmm. is a big one clashes between the mentor and mentee you know there's just personality clash we you know i'm i'm not hearing you uh, that would come back to the earlier thing about changing um and i suppose one of the big pitfalls it wasn't the way you asked the question but I, th- I think it's something we, we do need to highlight before the show closes, a lack of confidentiality. It's yes. critical. That's, um, that's you know, that's, that, you know, that's around the ethics of the relationship, but it's amazing the number of people around the Sunday Bry will talk about relationships that they have and mention names. We hear it in airplanes all the time. I want to s- jump up and just knock heads together when I hear people talking about their bosses and they're mm-hmm. shouting on an airplane above the noise. Um, you know, it's just lack, it just absolutely just confounds me. But that, that's where people mm-hmm. feel that it's not a relationship. Yeah. It's actually quite interesting. So I, I have gone through stages where I've traveled internationally quite a bit. And I've often traveled with a C, with a CEO of a client or whatever. And we have to be so careful as we sit and talk about, I mean, you're on a 11 hour flight to via Dubai to London or whatever. And we have to start, we have to talk about some of the business issues that we're dealing with. And we are so careful to not mention people's names, client names, company names. You know, so you're talking about X, Y, Z, and we, you know, and 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 because of the nature of the conversation, we all know who we're talking about. Mm. But you've got to be really careful about, you know, talking in the open, you know, even even sitting in a coffee shop having a conversation mm-hmm. too loudly, and the guy at the next table is overhearing 
conversations, sure, this can be very damaging to your business. Yeah. And, and, and it's and, one of the reasons for a breakdown, Richard, mm. is that I feel Sue's advising me, but I don't feel my issues are being held confidential. Mm. I would doubt very mm. much that would happen, but we hear it all the time. It's, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't think you have treated this relationship with the mutual respect that it deserves. And that's both ways. It's both ways. And I think that again needs to be contracted right up front. Absolutely. Mm. Ethics and confidentiality is so important. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that, that I also think for me, it can, it can often cause issues when, when, when things go wrong is almost a, a feeling of I'm not heard. And I, I did a, we did a little exercise this weekend. I was at a, at a, a function and, and they did an exercise on listening. And I, th- and yeah. I think we are so geared to, as somebody's talking, we're already thinking of our next response as people that we don't learn to sit back and listen. And I think in a relationship like this, and maybe it's my closing comment is there's a requirement to not only listen listen but be listened to and there's there's almost protocol behind that that you need that you need to do so you know hey you know i'm you know i'm responsible for for what i communicate i can see this person isn't engaged with me i've got to now get their attention and get them to engage with me so that i can ensure that they are listening to you know i can't just expect a response from mark if i know he's not listening to me mm. and that, and that works both ways as mentors mentees coaches coaches is it a coachee? Yes. <laughs> I never quite know the terminologies. Yeah. And Richard, the converse of that is also true, where you're not listening. The other one is that you overstep the boundary. It becomes too much of a friendship. I know that sounds na- bit maybe naive over a period of time. We do. We get to know people quite well. But the reality is the relationship is not about friendship. The relationship mm. is about trust, respect, providing value, providing competence. It's not about being their friend. And as a final comment for me, it's not also about being their ATM machine, um, mm. helping me with finance when I'm stuck. Yeah, it's always a, always a, always a challenge when you, uh, when you think, hey, I, I can, this is my go-to person, mm. and then you get yourself into into hot water, and you go, well, where's the, where's that? It's called the line of normalcy and acceptability in that relationship. Absolutely. It's important that that's a defined up And front. I think if you, if you have a choice of one or two or three uh, potential coaches or mentors or guides to work with, um, mm-hmm. see which one you can build the most rapport with. See yeah. which one works for you, makes you feel heard. And we go, and we go from there. Great. Well, Sue, thank you very much Thanks, for joining Richard. us. In, thank you very studio. much. Mark, thank you as always. Really appreciate the insights. Thanks, Richard. Thank you, Nandi, for giving us some insights into your world. Pleasure. Richard, are we on track with the financial pack for my presentation to the board next week? Well, hopefully. The team's very short-staffed, and it's taking such a long time to find a suitable financial manager for the division. We're way behind on all our forecasts and reporting. Why don't you speak to the finance team? They're a consultancy that can help you with an experienced interim financial manager. You can have somebody to help you almost immediately. They'll hit the ground running with no long-term contracts and no upfront placement fees. Go to thefinanceteam.co.za. Cliffcentral.com.